Hello, and welcome back to Mental Health Spot. This is Oli speaking. If you're under the age of 18, please consult with your parent, guardian, or a trusted adult before continuing to tune in to my episodes. So today, you might hear in the background the sound of the rain. You might hear in the background the sound of Fernando smoking his cigar. Hello, Fernando. Hello, Olivia. (laughs) So we're here together today. I know how much you guys love when I bring Fernando on. So he's here with me today and he is going to be smoking his cigar. So you guys might hear that along with the rain in the background because his door is open so that he can blow the smoke out there. Ain't nobody out here trying to smell that. No, thank you. Now, with that being said, I wanted to go ahead and take this time to say first and foremost that I hope everybody's safe out there. I hope your family and your loved ones are safe, um, that everybody is COVID free, and that if God forbid you do have COVID, that you have mild to no symptoms whatsoever. Um, I will be thinking about each and every single one of you. So I want to dedicate this episode to showing you what a psychological evaluation looks like. And the reason for that is I think so many people have a fear of therapy because it's unknown. Um, Many people have not been to therapy that probably should have gone to therapy um, due to history of trauma, abuse, neglect, mental health issues, depression, anxiety, etc. And so I guess I want to paint the picture for you of what your first appointment with a therapist would look like. The first appointment is always based on gathering history, gathering information from you. And so Fernando is going to be my fake client, AKA patient. These days we use client to refer to our patients. Fernando's going to be the fake client. Fernando is going to provide me with fake information. He is not going to tell me what's really wrong. I already know what's really wrong with him and I've already diagnosed him in real life. He is going to give me fake problems, a fake demographic, fake cultural beliefs, all of it. And I am going to ask him questions. And by the time I'm done interviewing him, I will share with all of you what I feel his diagnosis is. And so this is just to paint a picture for you of what an evaluation looks like. If you're thinking about going to therapy, it's really so beneficial and it's not as bad as you might think. I know it feels like the hot seat, but I promise you it's worth it in the end. And I can say that not only as a therapist, but as someone who's also received therapy. And so Fernando, thank you for being here today. Pleasure to be here. All right. I need you to use your full voice, Fernando. Pleasure to be here. (laughs) Okay. All right, Fernando. So we're going to get started. Fernando, what brings you here today? Um, just trying to get a better understanding of myself, work through some issues and just be in a better place mentally to be able to better 
deal with my personal problems and my mental problems to improve my mental health. How old are you? 35. What do you do, Fernando? For a living? Yes. I am an entrepreneur. I own a business in which it's a startup and I'm trying to make it grow. I am self-employed currently. Okay, can you tell me more about this business? I work as a consultant and in a business that does dental concierge services in which I help people who have serious dental needs to be addressed, whether it's uh, implants, veneers, um, gingivitis, Invisalign, what have you, to get affordable treatment abroad through licensed, educated, qualified dentists. Okay. Um, at affordable prices. Okay. I connect these dentists with patients. And by the way, everyone, Fernando actually really does do that for a living. So we're going to dedicate a whole other episode to him providing you information on that in the event that you're interested. Okay. Fernando, what's your education level? Highest education received? I have an MBA in marketing. Okay. So, Fernando, when you tell me you want to work through your issues, what issues are you referring to? Feelings of low self-worth. Okay. Feelings of um, impending failure. Okay. Fear of failure. Impending doom. Um, fears of... Fears of inadequacy and uh, a general anxiety that I have. Thank you for sharing that with me, Fernando. So, how long approximately would you say you've been experiencing these feelings? The better part of 10 years. Okay. Have you ever noticed a time where you feel unusually elevated as though your mood is, uh, has increased significantly as though you feel that you're on top of the world as if you can achieve anything, you can do anything, you can be anything? Yes. Can you describe to me what that would look like? Um, it's a feeling and a period of time usually short-lived in which I feel motivated um, optimistic about the future usually because certain things are going right in my life mm-hmm. um, certain victories have been achieved and I feel like I have a certain level of momentum towards achieving my goals and to a positive outcome in my life. And I feel happy, motivated, and I become very workaholic-like. So you're workaholic, meaning you work a lot, uh, you work a lot of hours? Both, correct. Okay. Do you have any physical ailments or illnesses or conditions? I have anxiety disorder. Physical. Physical. 
Diabetes. Okay. Anything else? Uh, no, not that I know of. Okay. Now, everybody, just as a little sidebar while I let uh, Fernando take a smoke, a break. Um, it is important to ask if someone is uh, experiencing any physical condition, uh, whether past or present. Why? Because your physical condition can have a correlation to whatever mental health issue you're having. So it is important to rule out if the depression is caused by the physical illness or ailment or condition, or if it is simply related to mental health issues, circumstances, situational issues, or something more chronic like a chemical imbalance. Also, the next question is going to be, Fernando, are you on any medication? I am on 2,000 milligrams of metformin, split up twice a day. Lisinopril, one five milligrams per day. You mean lisinopril? Lisinopril, correct. Um, that's the only medication I take. I'm supposed to be prescribed as well as ibutrin. Wellbutrin? Wellbutrin, correct. And uh, I occasionally take lorazepam. Okay. So this behavior that you're referring to where you feel sudden bursts of motivation um, and optimism, what does this behavior prompt you to do? Repeat your question, please. This behavior where you feel this sudden burst of optimism and energy and enthusiasm and motivation, what does this prompt you to do? Does it prompt you to do anything outlandish like um, sell your car, gamble your money, um, be promiscuous? It, not necessarily, but it does motivate me to be more tolerant of risk. Risk with my time, with my money, with the things that I say, because I feel like things are going in the right direction. So I use the positive momentum as a catalyst to take more risks that I normally probably wouldn't have taken. Can you give me an example of one of these risks that you're referring to? Um, not exactly, but I can say that I guess perhaps spend money um, because <clears throat> things are going well, so I assume that money will come in, okay. and so you spend more, assuming that more will come in. Um, you're more freely with saying what you want to say not thinking that there's going to be negative consequences for what you say mm -hmm. um, and maybe indulging more so in personal uh, activities whether it's spending money on yourself or maybe eating or drinking because um, okay. it makes you you feel like things are going good got it family history of mental illness um, family history of mental illness. To the best of my knowledge, my parents didn't have any mental history. I mean, at least not diagnosed. Uh, maybe they've been misdiagnosed. I can say that my father was a relatively, um, 
laid-back personality, laid-back person, and my mother was more of a passive-aggressive. I am not educated in therapy to tell you a diagnosis. Um, I don't know if my parents have any uh, diagnosed or undiagnosed issues. I know that I have a son who's adult, an adult, and he does have some bipolar issues. Uh, he does have, he may be borderline. Um, not sure if he's exact of a diagnosis, but he definitely does have some mental health issues. Got it. Thank you, Fernando, for sharing that. And the reason why it's so important, just a sidebar, to ask about family mental health history is because we do want to see if there's a genetic component to what may be going on. Um, environmental factors are very important. The genetic components are just as important. And so it's important to, to explore that and to see if there's any family history. And a lot of people that are not in therapy usually or people that are new to therapy might not necessarily know how to identify they might not necessarily know how to identify if their families had an underlying um, mental health um, history or what have you. But it's important that you get information about the characteristics of these people involved. You know, what was their temperament like? What were their communication skills like? And I'm not going to go into the logistics of all of that right now, but I do want to let you know that that is important. My next question is going to be for Fernando about his childhood, okay? So I'm going to ask Fernando, and sorry about any background noise y'all may have heard. We were drinking water. So we're going to ask Fernando now about his childhood because that is important, okay? We have to establish um, some kind of pattern here in order to assess what's going on with him mentally. So, Fernando, can you talk to me about your childhood? Was it positive or negative? I believe my childhood was mostly positive. I had both my parents in my home my entire life until their passing. Um, a negative part, um, my father was mostly absent because he worked a lot. My mom was more of the... Uh, figure, the uh, parental figure. She was the disciplinarian. She was the uh, person that we had the most amount of contact. My mom was the uh, the more vocal parent. My father was more um, reserved. Um, my parents were loving, but not outwardly loving. Um, my mother believed more traditional in disciplinary and um, raising a child to be respectful and to be um to behave correctly got it what was your uh behavior like in school growing up did you get good grades were you able to concentrate talk to me about that i had difficulty concentrating but i always got good grades um because i was smart and a lot of my coursework I was able just to pass because I understood it wasn't very difficult. I didn't really have to put too much effort into schooling um, with regards to the grades and my intelligence. 
with regards to behavior and my interactions with my fellow students. I did get into a lot of fights. I got into a lot of arguments. And um, I got into a lot of issues with my teachers as well. Got it. So again, we're here investigating Fernando's history, how he grew up, what his relationship was like with both his parents. What kind of student was he? Did he do well? Did he have any issues with concentration? Behavioral issues, hyperactivity. I didn't ask about the hyperactivity, but that would be an important question. It would be important to know um, all of these things in order to establish, again, pattern. Um, we need to get to know his history. And so that's the point of the psychological evaluation, to gather information regarding your history. That's what the first appointment's always gonna look like. Follow-up appointments will definitely be more centered on what it is that you need from the treatment. Once the therapist is aware what's going on with you, what, what that diagnosis is. And while I'm not necessarily a fan of labels, labels are important in the sense that they do provide you with the baseline of what it is you need to do. And so Fernando, I, I heard you express that you feel anxiety. Can you talk to me about your anxiety? Um, I, I think the question needs to be a little bit more specific. What about the anxiety? Just talk to me about what your anxiety looks like. How frequently do you experience it? What does it look like for you? Do you overworry? Do you panic? Um, my anxiety happens on an almost daily basis in various degrees. It may be something that's small and manageable. Um, just a feeling of of a rapid heart rate, difficulty breathing. It could be worry, impending doom. Um, like I said, in various degrees. Most times it's relatively mild that I can conquer it just by getting through it and self-talk and you know breathing and some sort of meditation sometimes it gets extreme to the point of which i um i go to a full-blown panic attack in which i feel like i'm going to die how often does that happen the panic attacks if you could say a full-blown panic attack yeah lately it's been better but maybe lately i would say once every two weeks there was a point in time where it was almost every single day. Do you have any issues with socializing, Fernando? Um, yes and no. I have. I, I, I'm pretty good at socializing with people so long as I'm comfortable around them. I know the person, I like the person, or I feel comfortable. Um, if it's people that I feel uncomfortable around, I do have some social anxiety. Constantly feeling like I'm being judged, constantly feeling like people are looking at me in some sort of a negative light, or feeling as if I need to assert myself, assert my intelligence, or assert my position in order to be heard or respected. Got it. Thank you for sharing that. And this anxiety that you feel that often leads to panic attacks every two weeks approximately, you... What are the triggers for that? What is it that you worry about? I worry about everything. Everything from things I can control and can't control 
failure, failure in uh, um, failure in my business, failure in my work, failure in my career, failure as a father, as a man, as a boyfriend, um, failure of things that I can't control, like. Um, perhaps failures in the society, failures of government, and inequalities, just different things that that cause me certain stressors that I feel like I cannot control, and the inability to control certain of these things, certain things, makes me feel ill, makes me feel bad, and makes me feel anxious because I want to have a harmonious, harmonious life and I want to be happy and these things impede me of achieving that goal thank you for sharing um, you've been feeling this way for the better part of 10 years did anything significant happen 10 years ago that you can recall that may have contributed to these feelings in any way um I guess 10 years ago was the point in my life, and I'm just speculating, in which I felt that I came to a realization that as an adult, that I had certain responsibilities, certain things that needed to be done to achieve in my life to be a productive person for myself and for my loved ones, and I felt that pressure to be a certain person, to achieve certain things. To do certain things. Pressure from yourself? Yes. Okay. Internal pressure. Got it. So, Fernando, would you say that you're depressed more often than you feel? You describe that kind of feeling where you get a little burst of optimism. Would you say that that's more frequent or would you say that the the depression is more frequent? The hopelessness, the feelings of low self-worth? The depression. Got it. So let's pretend it's a, it, it's a week's time. How often are you depressed and how often do you feel that burst of joy? The, the burst of joy would not happen as frequently as on a weekly basis. Got it. Noted. Okay. Um, did you have any developmental delays growing up or everything was on point? You walked and talked at a regular rate? I mean, I walked and talked at a advance rate. You, you you achieved your milestones appropriately. Correct. Okay. Um, I'm trying to think if I am missing any other questions. Have you ever received therapy before? Yes, I have. Okay. Have you or do you have any thoughts of suicide or any homicidal thoughts or ideations? The answer is no, because the answering that question correctly may be correct me. Uh, okay, well, don't worry. Uh, this is a fake interview. Correct. <laughs> now, I will elaborate on that, y'all, because... Listen, the Baker acting thing, it depends on the therapist, okay? I don't want y'all to be afraid of going to therapy because of this. So, Baker acting just means hospitalizing someone involuntarily um, for approximately 72 hours just to assess their mental health. 
if that person reports that they are a danger to themselves or somebody else. Now, more often than not, if you're dealing with an experienced therapist and you tell them, I'm having thoughts of suicide, but I don't have a plan, I'm just feeling very dark and very hopeless, they're just going to sit and process that with you. They're going to connect you with resources. They may make you sign like a suicide, um, a no suicide contract, okay? Like a safety contract. Now, there are therapists that will panic when they hear you say you're having thoughts and they will baker act you. I am not that therapist. Now, if you tell me you have a plan to hurt yourself or somebody else and you give me, you know, clues and inklings that you are going to execute said plan, then yes, I will have you hospitalized. So... I'm trying to think if I have any other questions. All right. I think that's good enough. So basically, based on my line of questioning, you can see more or less what it would be like for you if you went to see a therapist. It's very kind of a formal first meeting where they just get to know you, your history, what you've been through, what you've experienced, and what brought you to this moment. And so based on the information that Fernando has provided, I'm going to share with you my diagnosis for him. Fernando stated that he feels anxiety, that he worries about everything. And when he mentioned everything, he gave me an example of of various things that he worries about. His worries are not specific. They are generalized. Therefore, he suffers from generalized anxiety disorder. Generalized anxiety disorder that results in a panic disorder. A panic disorder It stems directly from an anxiety disorder because it's um, ongoing and frequent panic attacks as a result of extreme anxiety. That is a panic disorder. So he has a panic disorder because he gets a full-blown panic attack every two weeks. That still qualifies as a panic disorder. Then we've got bipolar type 2. Why type 2 and not type 1? Type 1 has the full-blown manic episodes where the person's like, I'm going to go gamble all my money and I'm going to go sleep with whoever I want. And obviously that's me, you know, giving you guys some examples of what a manic episode could look like. But he's basically saying that that's those feelings of mania are not the common feelings for him. But he did express it. He has them. And so that is why he's bipolar type two, because his depression is more frequent and his episodes of mania are less frequent, but they do exist. And therefore they are referred to as hypomania or hypomanic episodes. Bipolar one is pretty much full blown mania with very little depression in between. Bipolar two is more depression, less mania. Y'all get my drift. So that is what I've come up with. You have to pay attention to the time frame of everything. You guys saw that I asked a million questions about how long has this been going on. That is important. You need to know that. Okay? If a therapist does not ask you how long you've been feeling a certain way, get up and leave. Because that is not a good therapist. They need to ask you, how long has this been going on? You know, and even if you're like, I don't know, I don't remember. They're going to want to have you narrow it down. Because that's important to establish the right treatment for you. And to know whether or not something is situational or more chronic. So with that being said, I hope you all learned something. Um, I'm really grateful that that Fernando participated in this to sort of 
give you guys a picture of what that looks like. And again, guys, therapy is life-changing. It is life-changing. I, I can speak on it as a therapist because I've seen it. I've seen the wonderful changes that my clients have made, and I'm very humbled and, and feel very blessed to be part of their journey. And I've lived it. I've been in therapy, and I can attest to the fact that it is absolutely a life-changing experience. You just got to find the right fit for you, the right therapist for you. But I encourage you to try it. The first session feels a little bit intimidating, but I promise you, once you get, you know, into the rhythm of it, it's going to feel really good. Y'all probably heard some thunder in the background just now. Is that thunder? Yeah. In any case, thank you all for participating, for joining, for listening, for supporting my podcast. And thank you, Fernando, for being here and for providing everyone with this information that although we know a lot of it was not real information, it's nice to know that you were able to paint a picture for people of what some common problems might look like. So thank you so much for participating. Pleasure to participate. All right. With that being said, I'll catch you on next time. Stay home and stay safe.